Hey there, fabulous ladies. Welcome to Bring Back Your Pink, where we celebrate the fabulousness of midlife and beyond. I am Jen B, your host, your biggest fangirl and impact-driven entrepreneur living my biggest and boldest life, so you can too. Get ready to leave behind societal expectations and embrace a life filled with laughter, joy, and endless possibilities. So stand tall, turn up the volume, and let's dive into the world of living life in full color. Together, we'll rediscover the power of being unapologetically ourselves, and we will release our inner vibrancy, and together, we will bring back our pink. Let's make every moment count, girls. Hello, lovely ladies, and welcome to this week's episode of Bring Back Your Pink. I am so excited today that I have Dr. Haley D. Quinn with me. I know Haley through a mastermind that I'm in. And as soon as I met her, I'm like, can you please come on the podcast? And thankfully, she said yes. So Haley is a guiding force for service-based business owners and health professionals. As a clinical psychologist, coach, supervisor, and podcast host, her expertise is a lifeline to those navigating work-life balance. From her UK roots to Australian base, Haley's experience as a solo parent and PhD graduate informs her deep commitment to self-care and sustainable work practices. Hard-won wisdom from overcoming burnout and illness herself. Haley embodies the ethos of industrious, the industriousness. Go, Jen. <laughs> but more importantly, she understands the pitfalls of overextension and unsustainable work practices. Her continuous evolution in work habits reflects a commitment to longevity and well-being. And I mean, that's so important, especially as we're all working longer these days. You know, we want to be able to keep up the pace, right? With time, Haley has transformed her self-care regimen and restructured her business to foster a thriving professional life that harmonizes with her well-being and desired lifestyle. Her mission now extends to guiding others to recalibrate their professional endeavors, to support their health and to prevent burnout. Haley believes personal well-being is integral to professional and life happiness, and I could not agree more. Thank you, Haley, for coming on with me. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited because, you know, like for me, especially as we are, you know, hitting into the midlife, you know, our, um, I feel like our mental health does, as we struggle, especially us ladies, you know, with the midlife crisis, the, the not the midlife crisis, but just those feelings of a lack of self-worth and, and what have you, it's really important to discuss this and to address it. Um, so that's why I was so excited when you said you'd come on. But I want to start with what led you to becoming, you know, a clinical psychologist and psychologist and to coaching. Okay, so it was a windy, windy, windy road. I, oh, um, I actually... Left school early. I, I, for many years, called myself a school dropout and then realised that's not actually a very kind way to uh, acknowledge my life path. But I left school very early and didn't do well at all and spent a lot of my life thinking I was quite stupid. And then later in life decided to, um, once I'd come to Australia actually, decided to apply to go to university and see if I could give that a go. And it turned out that I, I ended up back at university um, in a psychology degree when I was a single parent. And I went on through my degree and I, I did really well in the degree, which surprised me more than anybody. 
And then people kept asking me if I was going to do postgrad studies and I'd never even considered that. And then I ended up doing a PhD in clinical psychology, which um, gives my younger self a bit of a giggle and still shocks me sometimes. But so I'd, I'd become a psychologist and I was working a lot when I was at university. I was raising my child on my own. I was doing my studies and I was sometimes working up to three jobs. And whilst I thought I was taking care of myself, I actually was, you know, heading towards burnout because let's face it, that's not sustainable for anybody. I know. And um, I ended up having to leave a workplace that I was at and make some really hard decisions about what I was going to do. And at that point, I didn't even know if I was going to continue being a psychologist. So I, I rebuilt a small practice. I was working in a home-based business. And then over time, I realized I needed to diversify what I was doing. So I started supervising psychologists and allied health professionals as well. And that kind of, it, it's different work. It's obviously in the same industry, but it's it's different in the sort of energy that it takes. So I was doing that. And then some of my supervisees kept asking me about business related stuff. And how do you start a practice and how can I make this work in a business? And it really energized me and excited me. Like I, I run a building company with my now husband mm -hmm. and I'd had a lot of experience in different contexts as I was kind of growing into my adult life. So I'd worked in, you know, accounting departments, I'd worked in advertising, I'd worked in kind of ordering and purchasing that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of experience that I could bring to the table as well as having run my own practice as a psychologist. And I just really got excited about the coaching element. So I've separated my businesses. So I've got um, a very, very small clinical client load and supervision in one business. And then my other business, um, I'm the anti-burnout business coach and I do coaching one-on-one -on -one and groups. I do training and I have my podcast. Isn't it a lovely feeling when you coach? Because, you know, as you know, I'm a brand coach. Um, and when you you see the transformations, it's just so, like, gratifying. It does, it actually makes my heart sing um, so much. And you, I'm pretty sure knowing you now that you would feel exactly the same. And it really is a wonderful thing to be able to do, even though, you know, I still do one-on-one -on -one and like you, you know, it's it's. Yeah, that coaching is is so good. Just so let's hop back to the the burnout. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you started to realize that you were burnout, what were the first steps you took took towards, you know, recovering and establishing self care? Because that is something that we so often don't do. We are not kind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we are very not kind to ourselves. And I am. Like for you to be able to recognize, take those steps. Um, it's very hard when you're in the trenches to do that. So I'd love you to give some, you know, advice to those listening that may be feeling the same thing. Yeah. So, so I had come from a very disconnected relationship with myself and a relationship with myself that was really quite brutal. I had a really brutal self-critic. I was really hard on myself and uh, wasn't, wasn't very pleasant at all. Thankfully, it's not like that anymore. So I guess my point of telling you that is that this this can change. So if that is how you are with yourself, it absolutely can change. Absolutely. When I was um, at university, I accessed a book by Christopher Germer called The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion. And I read that and there was bits in it that I liked. And also I was really busy trying to do all the things. So I didn't pay that much attention to it. 
I was fortunate enough in 2013 to be introduced to the work of Professor Paul Gilbert and he developed the framework Compassion Focused Therapy. So I found that to be a really great therapy to use with my clients. But the nice thing about it is it's a very embodied therapy. So I did a lot of work on that sort of we call it compassion focused therapy from the inside out. So you learn all about it and do the exercises for yourself as a practitioner so that you can work well with your clients. The beautiful part about it is you get the benefit of it. So I had completely kind of got on this path then of changing the relationship that I had with myself and was far more self-compassionate and also far more connected to myself. So it really, for me, became this process of getting to know myself. And, I, and I'll sort of say to people, it's a bit like when you meet somebody new, you want to pay attention to them. You want to ask them questions. You get curious about what they like, what they don't like, and you listen. Um, so I just did that with myself. I was like, well, if I was wanting to get to know myself, what would I do? So I started getting curious about what was helpful for me, what wasn't helpful for me, what helped me feel better, what actually made me feel worse. So that was kind of the process for me was really changing the relationship with myself. I love that because, you know, I've been, you know, on a self-discovery journey yeah. and, you know, I was a very harsh critic of myself, mm. you know, and I honestly believe you can't live that, you know, happy. And I don't like to say the word happy because it seems like a very, like a word like nice, but, you know, until you actually embrace a, a, a kind relationship with yourself, you can't actually be truly happy because you're constantly criticising yourself. Yeah. So, you know, it makes me feel very happy. <laughs> so I've got to stop saying that word. Um, you know, but it makes me feel really good to hear that. And, I mean, I know there'll be ladies out there listening that don't have great relationships with self and you know it can be changed um it's not easy to change but i tell you what it's absolutely worthwhile absolutely um so for any of the ladies out there listening um you know that want they're not necessarily business owners you know they could still be working or whatever business owners you know being employed they're seeking a more balanced life you know what what sort of starting points would you suggest I think one of the, the really key things is is thinking about your own values yes. and really coming back to what is important and meaningful for me. Really tuning in and asking yourself that. It's, it's really easy, isn't it, to look out into the world, particularly with social media, and go, oh, look, they look happy, I should be doing that, or they look like their life's good, perhaps I should be doing that. And we can get caught up in things that actually we don't want to be doing and that don't serve us and don't bring us joy, but we think perhaps we should, you know, quotation marks, we should oh, be doing. Should, should is the word banned. That word is banned from my vocabulary. I spent my yeah. whole life saying I should be like this. Yeah. It's gone. So, don't, don't should all over yourself, you know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> So I, I think that. <laughs> tuning into your values and just asking yourself what what is important and meaningful to me and then what are the things I can do to actually be doing those or bring those things into my life so that that's where I would start yeah I think that's a really good place to start and you know what you don't have to start big it's not like you've got to go woof and you know wipe out everything that's happened in the past you know mm. I know my listeners are often in their 40s and 50s I mean we've got a lifetime Mm. of you know 
being mean to ourselves to get rid of. And not only ourselves being mean, but, you know, others that have, you know, perhaps tried to help and said, yes, you should do this. This is how you should be, you know, and it takes a long time to get past that. Um, So when, when you're coaching, how has your personal experience shaped the way you you coach your service-based businesses and the health professions professionals? That must be so helpful to have that insight for you as to what some of them are going through. Yeah, look, I think I think the combination of my training um, with my clinical psychology degree and my own lived experience really does put me in a in a good position to mm. work with other people because I I can kind of bring the stuff I know theoretically and I can bring the stuff that I know, but I think the main thing for me that that is the most helpful for me in the coaching and I think for my clients is my passion. I'm so passionate about people living authentic lives, living lives that are full and meaningful for them, that they enjoy and what success means to them. I'm so passionate about them having that without them burning out. Like I know what it's like to burn out and I know what it's like to build a life that you just really enjoy and feel fulfilled by and I want that for other people absolutely it's yeah sorry I'm just I'm just contemplating that and it's like oh that's just that's such a beautiful um why Mm. you know beautiful why for what you do and there are so many people out there that could use your help and just the strategies you know to to navigate this um and you know the interesting thing is and, you know, I thought this was the question I'd actually written out. But, you know, there's so many misconceptions about mental health, mm-hmm. um, you know, like negative misconceptions and negative connotations. So what are some of those that you've actually encountered in your work? Look, I, I think, gosh, it's a big question, isn't it? But I think one of the things is we're, we're very quick to pathologize the normal human experience. When difficult things happen, it makes sense that we would struggle with it, that Mm. we'd have challenges. When people are facing new things or challenging things, it makes sense that people will feel anxious and overwhelmed. So we can be quite quick to pathologize. Um, Having said that as well, I think there's also a lot of stigma around people seeking mental health assistance yes and i i hope for a world where that doesn't exist because there is absolutely no shame in struggling and there's lots of people that are available to help in lots of different ways but i think sometimes it's coming back to you know is this a normal reaction for a human being in the circumstances i'm in and a really beautiful question we can ask ourselves is what is it about my own history and the context i'm in now that helps me make sense of why I'm feeling like this. Yeah, because what it does, what happens too is there's a lot of things that we don't think about that happen to us as young people, as children, yeah. and they come back and you go, whoa, you know, um, like I'm pretty sure I've told you the story of suggestive language yeah. from my, my darling mum and I'm like, I never thought of it back then, but then, you know, when you find out about it and you you're open yeah. But it all begins to make sense. So, you know, this is some of this, and especially for my listeners, is long-seated mm-hmm. trauma that's been, you know, in their lives from, you know, a young person. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to the, the, the mental 
health um, issues. How, like, how can individuals advocate for their mental health needs in settings like, like the workplace, for example, or even, you know, with a, a health professional, um, if somebody's feeling unseen or not heard, you've got any tips that might help them? Yeah, again, big question. <laughs> I know. And, and, I like to. I like to slam them out for you, Haley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big, big question, and and again, very contextual. So, depending on who you are, where you're working, what what the circumstances are, the type of support you've got in your life. So, if you are working for yourself, I mean, you can make certainly different decisions about how you take care of yourself, and you've got far more autonomy. And, you know, we all have different levels of privilege as well. So I, I always like to acknowledge that not everybody can just go and access the services they might need. Um, but again, firstly, and I, and I know this isn't easy and some people, for some people, it can be really, really hard to acknowledge you have needs, let alone recognize what they are. So I, I do always like to preface this with I'm not just saying just do this and it'll all be fine. Um, but again, if you can tune into yourself and actually start to notice how you feel and ask yourself what would be helpful for me in this circumstance and then depending on the context you're in is speaking to somebody whether that's in your workplace or going and seeing your GP and actually finding somebody to work with is the sort of starting place I think but I think in terms of answering that question wholly I think that's a really big question I was going to say yes we could probably talk for about two hours on that and yeah <laughs> it would be a very very long episode but one thing I would also add in you know self-awareness you know Absolutely. looking inside yourself and yeah realizing where what triggers you and you know what is um you know making you unhappy and then you know try and yeah get some help because there's absolutely no shame in asking for help. Yeah. When I was going through my journey, I worked with EFT, I worked with hypnotherapy. Um, I did see a psychologist for a few sessions just yeah. to help me come to terms yeah. with my life that had kind of changed as I, I knew it, if that made sense. Yeah, um, it can be very, very overwhelming. And then mm -hmm. you're going, oh, and then there's the resentment, like I've wasted, you know, anyway, I won't go down that path. It's complex. Uh, Absolutely. It's complex. Very, you're right. There's that self-awareness and tuning into yourself and, and asking yourself those questions of what, what do I think is going on for me and what do I think I need? And then going to try and find help. And certainly for people who are accessing um, some type of therapy, it's about finding the right fit and finding yeah. somebody you feel safe with so that you can have those conversations and not everyone will need therapy. Some people will, I... will need therapy and some people will need longer term therapy and other people might find that, actually making some changes to the context they're in can also make a big difference as well. 100%. And I mean, I'll just share a technique that I have used myself, you know, and this is just a technique I made up myself, but I am a visual person. I'm a visual learner. So if I can visualize something, um, it makes it a lot more easy for me to manage. So when the mean girl arrives, um, she comes in through my right, right side of my head, she opens the door and she comes into my head and starts chittering, you know, you're not enough, you should do this, you're too fat, you're blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I give it like a minute and then I open the door on the left-hand side of my head and I, I shuffle on out and I close it, close it quite firmly. Um, but that really works for me. It literally gets her out of my head. 
So, you know, there are sort of, I mean, and this is just a gen, a gen technique. I'm pretty sure <laughs> probably not recommended by anyone else, but it does work. And sometimes you just have to also find what works for you. You know, that's so important. It's we, as a go back to the shoulds, we, you know, someone might say we should do this, but it's actually about, yes, finding a person that you are comfortable with because we're in a vulnerable place mm-hmm. um, and getting techniques that work for you and being kind to yourself. But this is actually, an, you know, this would be an interesting um, question because this is not a big one, I might add. Um, this is one because we're of a similar age. How have you found, you know, your approach or how does one's approach to self-care change as we transition into midlife well, I think and- that's a really good point because I think you know as we go through our lives no matter what age we have various transitions in our lives mm. and it's important that we don't kind of say okay this is what self-care is going to look like and it's a set and forget I'm just going to do the same thing for the rest of my life because we are going to have different needs at different times in our lives there's seasons for everything yeah mm. and for me as I've it's you know aged and um as i get older i find that quite freeing i, f- I find that <laughs> oh, I i'm loving the freedom freeing. of it that actually um you know not so i care very deeply i care very deeply in this world but i care less about a lot of things that i used to care a lot about so uh-huh. for me it's, it's really tuning into my values really getting connected with what is aligned with my values what feels meaningful and putting my care and energy there and really understanding particularly as i get older i mean you know our bodies age um that i have to prioritize my own well-being 100 yeah i've recently let go of something that's been very dear to me for many years for you know over 25 years and, you know, it came to the stage that it just was no longer aligned with my values yeah. um, and I had to let it go. And I grieved and I've mourned, yeah. you know, but we've got to look after ourselves. Absolutely. The thing. If you have toxic people in your life that bring you down, you know, move away. I've I've done that again in this last 12 months and it is extremely liberating yeah. and very freeing. And like you said, like, you know, I say, because um, I'm I'm a swearer, but, you know, as I've aged, I kind of give less fucks about yeah. what others think about me. I'm like, I don't care. If you don't like me, that's fine. Go away. I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, I think we become so much more um, maybe in tune. But the thing is, as we let go of these things, it takes us down to, you know, to not get into getting burnt out, to being more liberated, to living that, you know, that joyous life. So for you, I don't know, I'm sure you do because I know you well, um, but do you have daily habits and rituals that you find really beneficial for helping your, you know, mental health and your um, emotional stability? I I do. Do I always do them 100%? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Because like everybody else, I have a pulse. I'm human. Um, Absolutely. So, yes, and and I guess that, the main one is these these regular check-ins with myself. Mm. I, I greet myself like I am my best friend and check in throughout the day, like, how am I going? Um, I do breathing exercises. 
Um, we call ah. soothing rhythm breathing, which is a, yep. a breathing technique from compassion focus therapy. There's a million breathing exercises out there, and you know that our breath is our our best asset. You know, we, yes. we took our first breath, we'll take our last, and and in between all that, we can use our breath to mm. really help regulate our nervous system. It's free; you can do it anywhere. Um, so that for me is one of the most important and it things. Is so, brilliant if you're feeling some form of anxiety coming on yeah. i use box breathing yeah. um you know the four in four across yeah. four down, you know and that helps tremendously as well yeah so i i do regular breathing throughout every day um i check in with myself regularly throughout the day I have things in place. I like to do daily movement. I used to call it exercise, but I'm a, I'm a bit averse to exercise. So I just call it daily movement. That mm -hmm. one is one of my bigger struggles. Um, so I try my best with that, but I don't always, don't always manage things like making sure I'm staying hydrated and you know, the things that I'm eating. And again, I don't get this all right. I, I do journaling, but not as a daily practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I do it regularly. Some of the things I know, if I were to say to myself, these need to be daily practices, I think the younger, more teenage part of me would rebel and just not do them. So mm -hmm. I, I add them in as do these when it feels like the right time to do them. And other things like the check-ins and the breathing, they are, they are daily practices for me, absolutely. Oh, I think that, that they're both great techniques, the check-in, especially the check-in, because, you know, yeah. like I think people don't do that. I don't do that. I've yeah. never really thought of it by going like, well, how are you feeling right now, Jen? Yeah. Um, you know, the breathing, yes, but the, I like the check-in and then you can, yeah. you know, sort of analyse how you're feeling and what is it, if there's something that's not right, what is it yeah. that's bothering you? Yeah. Um, I think that's a really, really good way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so we're living stressful lives, all of us. Um, you know, especially in this, I hate to say in this day and age, because I feel like I'm, you know, approaching 80 when I say it. <laughs> um, you know, you've just spoken about the breathing technique. I think that's a great technique for managing stress. Um, have you got any other hints or tips, you know, something that can be easily incorporated into the busy schedules that we all live these days? Look again, I, and I come back to this every time because I really don't believe there's a one size fits all. I don't think I don't think we can cookie cutter our way into feeling okay. So I really do come back to it's tuning in and, and asking yourself what is working for you. And again, depending if you work for yourself compared to working for someone else, you've got more autonomy. Um, if you live alone compared to if you are perhaps in a partnership and you have children or you you're in caring responsibilities, again you're you're capabilities of having time to yourself and and that sort of stuff is going to differ and also your financial situation so there's lots of contextual things that are going to make a difference hmm. but if you can be thinking about you know your mindset how are you how are you speaking to yourself and if it is in a really harsh critical way is there a way that you could actually start to speak to yourself more kindly and there's lots of resources out there. So it's something you could do by yourself. Or maybe you actually would want to seek help from somebody else around mm. that. I think, you know, making sure that we are remembering that our physical and mental health are very closely linked. So we need to be drinking plenty of water. It's, it might sound like such a little thing, but we know that dehydration has such a huge impact on us. 
Mm. Um, making sure that we are eating a relatively, you know, most of the time healthy diet. We're social beings. We, and again, in differing levels, we need to be connected to other people. That, that's just who we are in our DNA. Now, mm. some people are extremely social and need to be with people all the time, and other people have much less of that. And some people are in the middle somewhere. But tuning in and thinking, how much social connection do I need? And mm. how much alone time do I need? Mm. And how do I need my environment to be so that it's not overwhelming me or it's not understimulating me? I think really paying attention to who we are as individuals, you know, how our own minds work, what environments we live in, what context we're in is just so important. Absolutely. And even coming down to just like creating little rituals, um, you know, walking away and making that cup of tea, but perhaps in a beautiful, you know, a beautiful China cup, um, rather than just going, oh, I'm so busy, I'm stressed, like I'm just going to throw a tea bag in. But stopping, yeah. breathing, taking yeah. time just to, to do. And, I mean, I've both been employed, obviously, in corporate um, and done and, and work for myself now. And I find yeah. just taking that time, I have coffee, um, but, you know, just doing it. And I have some really lovely mugs that I love. I love yeah. a big mug of coffee. But just taking that time. For me, yeah. you know, a stress relief is going to hang with the cats. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm lucky. I get to work at home. So I get yeah. to go out with the caddies. Yeah. So mm -hmm. things like that, like I, um, one, one of the things that I had struggled with a few years ago was really staying hydrated. And, and as you'll notice now, as we're talking, I, I've got my water so I can mm. sip. Mm. But what I do when I've got one-on-one -on -one appointments is I do go, I have gaps between all my one-on-one -on -one appointments yes. and I go and I make a cup of tea and I make sure I take a cup of tea in. So I know that I'm actually going to be staying hydrated as I'm working. And that for me has been great. You know, for somebody else, they might do something different. But thinking about if there's something I struggle with, how yeah. can I make it easier for myself? It is just, it's just thinking, I guess, outside that box a little bit. Um, I'm the same. Like I schedule each podcast interview, I schedule an hour and a half. Like they don't take an hour and a half. That's far too long, you know, a, an episode. But I give myself that time and I give myself the, you know, the gift of time. So what I might go and do is to wind down. I've got a very busy brain in this head. Um, yeah. I'll go read. Yeah. You know, 10 minutes of reading, I will refocus, recalibrate, and I'm ready for the next thing. Yeah. It's just those simple little techniques, and it helps me alleviate stress. If I'm stressed, I'm like, where is my book? Yeah, and, and the beauty of that is you know that about yourself. You've come to a place where you know that about yourself. If I'm stressed, I need to find my book. I had, um, you know, I've, I've had conversations with lots of different people over the time and I had somebody who always wanted to do yoga first thing when they got up in the morning, mm. but they would get up and then they'd get busy. So, so what they ended up doing was they had their yoga mat next to their bed mm. and they, instead of wearing like pajamas or night clothes, they would actually put on their yoga gear to go to sleep. So when they woke up, they were in their yoga gear and the mat was right next to them. And then they would do their yoga and then they'd go off and get showered and get on with their day. And I'm like, that's brilliant because you, when you know yourself, it's like, well, if I get up and I've not got my stuff on, I'm not going to do it. Then find a way to make it easy for yourself. 100%. It's all about just, you know, I guess, you know, using the magnifying glass to get inside ourselves. Yeah. 
to yeah. find out what works. And these are just simple, simple little things. And I mean, it's simple I, but not simple but not easy. No, they're not easy. It's yeah. not easy to do yeah. that um, because you've really got to rewire yourself in some ways to yeah. one to be kind to yourself because yeah. that is we I think are brought up to not be kind to ourselves. Mm. And I often say to myself now, and this is something I've picked up, you know, over the years, would I talk to my best friend like that? I'm like, no, no way. What would she say if she heard me speaking to myself like this? She would be furious with me. Yeah. So, you know, it's always like just be kind to yourself. Um, But, yes, it does take a little while. Like I now recognise that my book, and I actually get anxious if I don't have, it's my iPad because I read so much. I don't have my iPad with me. Yeah. I get really anxious. It's you know, it's it's probably a little ridiculous, but it helps keep me calm and it helps alleviate stress. Yeah. So you know, I say whatever works for you. Um, now, welcome to self. What tell tell us about welcome to to self? So welcome to self came about. I was at a training in Byron Bay. Um, doing some more training in in compassion-focused therapy. And one of the things we do in compassion-focused therapy is work with multiple selves. So we we recognise that we're not just one version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that part of you that wants to go to the party, but there's part of you that doesn't want to go to the party. Like, that's kind of just a simple example. But we're multiple selves. And we do a technique called chair work where we would put the multiple selves in chairs and have dialogue. And they were looking for somebody who was going to volunteer at the front of the training and throughout my training as a therapist I realized that that's actually a really good way to learn and grow so I was always keen to put my hand up for stuff and at the time I was at the height of of really struggling with chronic illness and I volunteered and part of that process was really recognizing how critical I was being of myself and how I was feeling about myself as somebody who was extremely unwell and couldn't be achieving. I'd I'd been a high achiever, you know, not not in school originally, but <laughs> later on. Amazing <laughs> how that can change, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I was in this process and we had um like the the anxious part of me and the critical part of me and then a chair for the compassionate part of me. And when I moved to the compassionate chair, it it was profound. It was a real changing moment in my life. And I sat in that and I realised that no matter what I was doing, no matter what I was capable of, um, no matter my history, that I am a fully worthwhile, lovable human being. And I kind of connected with this part of me that I'd never, ever connected with before. It's, I've noticed it, it brings up a lot of emotion for me because it was just such a pivotal part of my life. Um, and I just had the words, welcome to self. It was like I'd met myself for the very first time. Mm-hmm. So I ended up like uh, using the phrase and then I, I used it in my business. I called my podcast um, Welcome to Self and then my company Welcome to Self and then I have a, a trust linked to my company. <laughs> and when I get mail through the post, which obviously we don't get often anymore, but when I do, it's called Welcome to Self-Trust. 
And it was just like, oh my gosh, this, this is like everything that I, I really resonate with now. It's like self-trust. It's like, welcome to self-trust. So it's, it's really, really meaningful for me. Um, oh, I'm getting a bit teary about that because yeah. it's like, it's also like we're going welcome home, you know, mm. welcome, we're back. We're, yeah. Welcome to yourself. Yeah. Um, like, like the person I am inherently at my essence, I've always been her, mm. but I never knew. No, sometimes we just get a little bit lost. Yeah, and now I just, I just feel so, um, so connected to myself, and and it's not that I don't, you know, things go wrong. I might be self-critical, but I'm very quick to notice it, and I take good care of that critical part of me because she's scared. Mm. She's just trying to protect me. Yeah. Um. So I have a lot of compassion for my self-critic. Um. So yeah, that that's my welcome to self story. I love that so much. I feel Haley and I are going to Bali in March. Very excited yes. about that. Um, I feel like we're going to have some very good conversations um, yep. because we are quite aligned in what we're thinking. Um, now, just quickly, because this this is being recorded in December, but it will be coming out in January. Um, you have a launch coming up in February. I do. Yes. Tell us about that. That that's um, our welcome to self time to thrive. Mm -hmm. It's a group business coaching program, and it's very much based on you know helping you change the relationship with yourself and your business. So it blends both. It's got mindset. It's got connection with values. Um, we talk about business, how you want that to look, how you might design that for yourself. Um, it's really, really focused on helping you change that relationship so that you can have a successful and thriving business and hold your well-being at the core. I love that because, mm. you know, welcome to self, you know, but welcome back. Like when we love what we do, yeah. um, our whole world changes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it is so important to learn to love your business. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like that's going to be part of what you're covering, which is amazing. Learn to fall in love with it again if you've fallen out of love of it. Yeah, and I think if we design the business to suit who we are, not what yes. the world tells you a business should look like, 100%. then we we can do that. We can we can have thriving businesses and be thriving ourselves. And who who doesn't want that? You know, absolutely. I often laugh and think like my husband and I normally, you know, when we wake up, we'll often have a cup of coffee in bed together whilst we're working. Like we are both working, but, you know, that's the life we've chosen and the businesses we've chosen to run. Um, and we both love what we do. And, I mean, we both, like, I love it for reasons, you know, like you, I love to help women shine and rise. So, you know, it is a very important thing to be in love with what you do and your business. Um, thank you, Haley. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, where can everyone find you? So they could go to my website, which is drhaleydquinn.com. Um, I'm on the socials, um, pretty much Dr. Haley D. Quinn everywhere. Um, we can LinkedIn, just find you. Instagram, they can find me there. Absolutely. And I've got a podcast, um, Welcome to Self with Dr. Haley D. Quinn. So if people want to tune into that. Thank you so much for coming on so close to Christmas um, and hanging with me. I think we've covered some quite thought-provoking topics today so i think it's been really good so thank you so much and to my listeners um have a fabulous day always remember keep shining be pink um and i'll see you on the next episode thank you Bye. so much for having me
Oh, it's been my pleasure. Absolute my pleasure. Hey, ladies, I created this podcast because I know we need more of it to help us bring back our pink and live our best lives. But guess what? We can't do this alone. So if you loved this episode, let's spread the world. Share it on your socials, send it to a friend, and don't forget to write us a review. By doing this, you become part of the movement to bring back your pink and inspire others to do the same. I'm incredibly grateful to have you in my world as we live life in full color and become our authentic selves. Together, we're unstoppable. Let's keep rocking and bringing back the pink.